The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Community Conversations. I'm your host, Roger Colton. October is Fire Prevention Month, and I have with me today Belmont's uh, Fire Chief, David Frizzell, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, fire preparedness and fire prevention. Thanks for stopping over, Chief. Good morning, Roger. Uh, let's uh, uh, start with just having you explain what, what's the purpose of, of Fire Prevention Month and how is it being recognized or... Uh, so Fire Prevention Month is something that's come about uh, to remind people to uh, invest in their own safety, fire prevention, um, and to remind people to do it annually. We get complacent. We think we everything is okay. We get into a lull, and when disaster hits, we're not prepared. So it's a uh, annual reminder to make sure that you are ready and that your uh, your house and the places where you go are safe. Uh, my understanding is that the overall theme for Fire Prevention Month in 2019, and this is a, a national uh, celebration, I don't know if that's the right word, but national month that's being recognized is um, an emphasis on home planning or home preparedness. Um, so the National Fire Protection Agency, or what's called NFPA, uh, their theme this we- uh, year is not every hero wears a cape. Uh, plan and practice your escape plan. So what they want you to do is make sure that you uh, can get out of your house and that you do have an escape plan and that you practice it. Because we spend most of our time um, and predominantly sleeping time at our houses. And when disaster strikes at your house, you need to be able to get out safely. Can we uh, talk about that a little? It seems uh, that there are different families or different family types would have different types of uh, escape plans. I'm, and the question there is, uh, I'm very conscious of the fact that I just turned 65. So somebody with my kind of needs would have a different escape plan than somebody with infants. It's correct. Uh, and it, there's uh, age, mobility factors um, uh, play into uh, your escape plans. The thing is to develop an escape plan. Most people go out the way they came into uh, whatever it be, your house, your business, school, because they know that's the safe way out. So that's usually your primary way out. But in other cases, you need a secondary way out. How are you going to get out if your primary way, if the fire is blocking your way out or the smoke is too thick and you can't make it out of your bedroom, let's say? Your alternative is a window. Now, that's a window is fine if you're on the first floor. If you're above the first floor, the window can be a little bit challenging, um, and we don't expect you to be jumping out the window. Closing your door will buy you time. Uh, opening your window and um, be at the window. Put something outside of the window. So throw a pillow, uh, a, a comforter, or something like that out the window. And we are, when we arrive, we do what's called a 360. We walk around the house to see what's going on, where the fire is, and get a, a mental picture of what's going on. If we see elements that don't normally belong outside, outside, we stop, we look up, 
we would then see you and our primary focus is going to be life safety so it would be to rescue those that are trapped and the word that keeps popping up in what i've been reading about fire prevention and fire preparedness is complacency that people simply take it for granted that they are going to know how to get out of their house so complacency is that they they figure that everything is going to be like they get up and get uh, from their bedroom down to the kitchen every day but when you actuality when they have a fire there's smoke there's heat um, and the um, the ability to actually uh, survive a fire today the time is substantially less than it was 30 years ago because of the predominant use of plastics and things like that that burn much hotter and produce much more toxic smoke than your wools, your woods, cottons. Everything now is foam rubber, plastic, polyester. That produces more smoke, hotter flames, and you actually have less Uh, time. And uh, I wanted to ask you about that. Tell me if I'm reading something into this that I shouldn't be. But... um, Again, just drawing upon uh, me, uh, it, it seems like I would be sleeping, uh, a smoke alarm would, would wake me up, and my initial inclination would be to try to do something about the fire. But what I thought I just heard you say is you really don't have that kind of time. You should get out and then figure out. Uh, so especially when you're sleeping um, and you get woken up, you have to collect your thoughts. Um and figure out what's going on. Uh, your primary focus is to get to safety, to safety. first. Uh, don't get trapped, if, if at all possible. Uh, smoke detectors are a fantastic thing, and uh, you shouldn't be in a house without them. Um, and they do, if it's during waking hours, and all of a sudden the smoke detector goes off and you have something on the stove, you can then, a lot of times it's just shutting the stove off, will stop the uh, fire from progressing, covering the, the pot or whatever's on the stove, and situation's over. Um, but, um, yeah, and most times when you're sleeping, um, elderly may have hearing impairment uh, and may not be woken up as easily. Uh, also, younger, they found that younger children, and uh, especially teenagers, uh, are sleeping through fire alarms. Um, they, I have oh. teenage children, and I understand that phenomenon. So... <laughs> Um, you have to make sure that they, uh, uh, it's loud enough and that they can hear and that they know what to do and respond appropriately. So I, I have a question. Speaking of kids, uh, our household, our daughter is 27, so she's long gone. But our kids nowadays, kids, quote, unquote, are, are two puppies. And, you know, you always see on the news somebody rushes back into the the house that's on fire to save their dog, and you think, oh, how cute. But that's really not... It's it's not advisable. Once you leave uh, the building, whether it be your house or school or your place of work, stay out. So once you leave, stay out. Do not go back for pets or your possessions. Uh, pets will often hide in places that you may not readily expect them. So now you become a victim because you're trying to save your pet. Um, and we don't need, basically, at that point, two victims, your pet and you, trying to uh, rescue. And could we go back and f- uh, follow up for a minute about um, 
I, uh, one of the recommendations that I always see is that you should have fire extinguishers uh, around the house. And Anne and I do have fire extinguishers on each floor. Uh, what advice do you give people uh, about when to fight and, uh, and when to call for the fire department to respond? So Did the, that question make sense? Yes, yes, okay. definitely. So uh, fire extinguishers should be in places where you potentially would expect there to be a fire. We ask you to put them closer towards the, um, the egresses so that you're heading towards the egress. You get the fire extinguisher. You turn around, and if the fire has progressed, you keep going out the egress. You uh, don't want to go someplace further in and get trapped. Uh, you, you'd have a fire extinguisher, but then you wouldn't have your egress out. So that way there, if you get the fire extinguisher, you put it, uh, you aim, squeeze, establish, uh, you know, put the chemical agent on the fire. And if it doesn't work, you can drop the extinguisher and you know your exit is, is safe. right there. Right there. So uh, we always recommend that the uh, fire extinguishers be near the egress or your exits out of the house. Okay. Uh, we've been talking as though there there is a fire. Uh, can we talk for uh, a few minutes about some of the ways that fires can be uh, prevented just by taking uh, uh, reasonable steps? Yes. So there's a lot of things, uh, candles being one of them, using candles safely, making sure that candles are being used on a uh, non-flammable uh, surface, a combustible surface. You know, that there is something underneath them so that as they melt down, they, um, they don't burn the item they're sitting on, making sure that the area around the candles are clear. Um, it gets into heating systems. It's now that time of year when we are having to put our heating systems back on. Those with oil and gas, fossil fuel-type uh, heating systems, they need to be checked. Uh, on an annual basis to make sure that they are functioning properly. Oh, and these are central heating systems? Yes. Okay. Um, and then it gets into fireplaces and wood-burning stoves, making sure that the chimneys and the flues are cleaned on oh, those and inspected, that there aren't any cracks in the hearth or anything like that. Uh, as we move in, Halloween decorations, people, you know, jack-o'-lanterns and candles inside, you want to make sure there's sufficient space between any candles that are used even in decorations to combustible materials. So it, it's, it's, it's year-round, it's continual, but the fall is a time when we, take, we stop, we pause, and we have a lot of things to check. So I have a sneaking – I have two questions uh, for you along those lines, um, one of which applies to uh, our home and one of which doesn't. You mentioned it being fall. I have a sneaking suspicion you have an opinion about portable heaters. I, I can just envision somebody putting a portable heater next to their bed, kicking off a blanket, and then waking up in a real crisis. So there are basically, I'd classify um, portable heaters in two, two varieties. One would be a liquid fuel heater, kerosene, um, that are not allowed to be used or are actually against the law to be used in Massachusetts although we still run into them occasionally. And um, the other is the electric space heater, resistance space heater, um, that where you actually will look in and see the elements are glowing uh, an bright orange because it's resistance heating. Those cause fires. They're supposed to have safety switches in them, so if they tip over, they'll shut off. But uh, when items get too close, 
they can actually start on fire um, and uh, they are dangerous. Not only do you have the issue with the combustibles being close to the heaters, but also the uh, cord. A lot of the people try to use uh, lightweight extension cords and they're drawing almost 15 oh. amps worth of power. So we have issues with extension cord being used with a high draw uh, appliance and then there being a failure of the extension cord or the outlet where it's plugged into is an old one that the spring tension in the, the prongs is not what it used to be and that will cause a bad connection actually can cause a fire okay and then the the second question i had was we uh, uh, we have a bedroom in our house where my wife and i have used it as uh, our office yeah and so every computer every answering machine every gizmo that's a term of art that uh, we hook up gets plugged in and then when we ran out of outlets we put in surge protectors uh, and so instead of having six things plugged in we have 12 things plugged in so uh, is that a fire so the the good thing about that is most of those items are low draw means that they don't draw very many amps so that that's a good thing um, using a good quality outlet strip that has surge protection in it um, helps um, so what we don't like to see is daisy chaining so where you put one plug strip into another plug strip into another oh. plug strip um, and we also see where um, lower cost lower quality um, plug strips are not the same quality as a more expensive one so as long as you're uh, it's a good quality plug strip you can plug those items in it will usually have overload protection so if you were to overload it it would trip in a safety uh, manner but we we don't like extension cords we don't like multi uh, daisy chained uh, okay. plug strips how about paints Ann and I just uh, renovated uh, uh, our kitchen and repainted our first floor and so in our basement uh, we have this shelf full of half used paints uh, are those I mean intuitively that seems like it's so, flammable or fire hazard is is that dangerous so paints uh, basically two different varieties oil base and water base are latex paints uh, latex paints, we don't have any. They're water-based. Um, they don't really burn that well. Um, oil-based paints, if they're in a mixed-up state um, where they're thoroughly mixed, not so much of an issue. Uh, sometimes after oil paints separated for a while, the volatiles or the oil floats to the top of the paint. Yeah, That potentially could be a problem. Uh, it's not a big problem. Our biggest concern with people doing uh, work with oil-based products, uh, especially stains and things like that, uh, is the rags and spontaneous combustion oh, of not of properly disposing of the rags. And disposing of those rags doesn't mean throwing them in the garage. It means disposing of them. Correct. Uh, if you're using a oil-based stain um, and especially natural product like cotton T-shirts or things like that as your application or what you're using to wipe off the excess material, those need to actually be soaked in water and put in a tight sealing container, preferably made of metal, and stored outside of the house, away from the house. Okay. 
I want to go back a, a couple of conversations where you mentioned uh, uh, Halloween because I'm going to be the Grinch here, but we're headed into this prolonged holiday season where we have Halloween and then we have Christmas, which means we have pumpkins uh, followed by uh, for our uh, people who celebrate Christmas followed by Christmas trees. What advice do you give people about how to be safe with, uh, uh, with those? Uh, again, we get back to candle safety is probably the – come no, back to the same route. So candle safety, and it's uh, Halloween, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, it's the other holidays that fall. Sure. Um, extension cord use. Again, overloading of extension cords, putting all those extra items uh, on at uh, uh, Christmas time and so forth. Outside decorations that uh, aren't properly uh, on a proper electrical outlet, a GFI circuit, so that they, if they do get uh, compromised, they trip. Uh, overloaded electrical circuits. Um, in using things that are normally rated for inside a house, outside. So it, there's a lot of different things that happen, uh, and we just ask people to read the directions, make sure it's approved for the use they're doing, keep uh, you know anything with an open flame, keep a safe distance of combustible materials around them. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time of year, but it can also be a very uh, dangerous time as uh, one minor little thing can change uh, your outcome very rapidly. Sure. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was smoke detectors. It seems like you, every time you turn around, you can read advice about what kind of smoke detectors you should have, uh, how often you should change the batteries, and on and on and on. What what advice do you have for people with smoke about smoke detectors? So smoke detectors are actually covered under the Massachusetts uh, general laws and the, the Commonwealth's regulations. Depending upon the age of your house will di dictate what your actual requirements for type of smoke detector and placement. New smoke detectors come with a 10-year battery in them, so you put them up for 10 years. Oh, wow. And they last for 10 years. In the, uh, it's recommended that after a 10-year period that you actually replace the smoke detectors. So Not you, just the battery, but the but smoke But the whole smoke detector. Even okay. if you have a smoke detector that has changeable batteries in it, it should be replaced every 10 years. And twice a year, we ask that you change the batteries in those smoke detectors, and it, uh, it's when you change your clocks. So change the clock, change the battery uh, in your smoke detectors. And it, where do uh, the uh, carbon monoxide detectors so that, uh, fit in? That came in uh, a little over 10 years ago now. Uh, in carbon monoxide, you need them in homes where there are fossil fuels. So if you don't have any oil or gas or wood stoves or anything like that, you do not need them if you're totally electric. Uh, but they are required on each habitable level um, and outside any uh, sleeping area. So that's not really a fire uh, issue or a, a fire detector? No, it, it is. It, it's not really a fire issue, but okay. it is under the fire code. And there are a combination smoke and CO detectors, carbon monoxide detectors. Okay. Uh, what I'd like to do is to take a, uh, a, a hypothetical uh, uh, tour uh, of a home. And uh, if you have reactions about what people should be aware of uh, by room, 
So let's go in the back door of a house and assume we go into the kitchen. What? So in the kitchen, you're going to want to make sure that uh, that's one of the places I would have a fire extinguisher um, nearby, near the back door that you're coming in is where the fire extinguisher should be. You're going to look for things like uh, probably the hazard, most hazardous space in your house is underneath your kitchen sink because we have cleaning supplies that potentially um, are not compatible, acids, bases, and things like that, and when they mix, it's not a good thing. So that's a place that uh, is very uh, hazardous for us firefighters. Uh, the, the second thing would be around the stove or the cooktop. You know, is there things uh, hung up around the cooktop that may, you know, uh, you know even uh, hot mitts and things like that that are too close to the actual cooktop? that there's clearance around there, that the cabinets are appropriately um, not over the stove. You look at some people that have done renovations and things like that and put in, uh, put in a wider cooktop, and now you have actually cooktop underneath cabinets and things like that. Ah, so so yes. that's, that's some of the things. Underneath the wooden cabinet. Correct. Yes. So that's some of the things that we'd be looking for. And uh, GFI um, – receptacles near the, uh, the kitchen sink so that you don't get shocked or start a uh, fire okay. by having something, the blender fall into the, the, the uh, kitchen sink or something like that. And making sure that the outlets aren't overloaded. Uh, older houses don't have as many outlets as new houses, so we tend to use adapters and things like that so we can plug more things into that one outlet. Yep. Okay, let's move out of the kitchen into... Well, let's combine the living room and dining room, and if that's not a good thing to do, uh, so living me. room and dining room again, we're going to be looking for outlets, extension cord use. Uh, we want to make sure that people aren't running extension cords underneath the Oriental rug or the carpet, uh, because uh -huh. they want to get to the other side where there is no receptacle on that side of the the room. If we look in the uh, like a family room, a den, or a, a living room. Uh, often they'll have fireplaces. So like I mentioned before, making sure that the fireplace is in working order if they're using it. Some people that don't um, want to maintain their fireplaces will actually put a, an array of candles in that space. Uh, and that's, that will be the ambiance. They'll light the candles. So that's a safe thing. It's uh, the brick and mortar and so forth. So uh, then as we get into the holidays, it would be decorations in those spaces that we'd be concerned about. Uh-huh. And then let's go upstairs and enter the bedrooms. The bedrooms, again, we want to make sure that we have uh, doors that actually function. So it's important that you, uh, it's re and recommended that you sleep with your door closed. Your door will actually, even a very thin door, will buy you a considerable amount of time during a fire. So you want to make sure that you sleep with your door closed. Uh, again, we're going to look for extension cord um, plug strips, uh, portable heaters, air conditioners, uh, and things that may be overloading circuits. Uh, bedrooms, they tend to also like to use candles. Another place where candles, you need to make sure that even if it's on the top of the dresser, um, that there aren't things like on a mirror or something behind uh, a corkboard or something behind the dresser that could potentially come off or get knocked off and into the candle and start a fire. Uh-huh. And then it seems to me that one of, just because I had never thought of it before I started preparing to talk to you today, one of the areas that gets ignored a lot are, are the garages. 
and intuitively it seems like there's all sorts of stuff that could go wrong in a garage. So in garages, um, and it really doesn't matter whether it's an attached garage or a detached garage, um, we get into the issues with combustible storage. So gasoline um, could be kerosene, things like that being stored in there. Uh, a whole host of autom automotive chemicals, brake fluid, transmission fluid, oil, all being there. Then we get the whole issue with uh, paint storage and other project storage. So you have stuff that's left over and it gets stuck in the garage. Um, so we have we have all that. Um, a lot of garages don't have much power. And again, we're looking at extension cord use, overloading, um, and things like that. So is, ext um, not extending, but expanding the power uh, that your home provides, is that a, a recommended thing or is that going a little overboard? Uh, I would say it's a, it's a case by case basis. It's re okay. You really need to see what your demand is, what you use, um, and making sure that the uh, branch circuits, the ones that feed the different areas of your house, uh, the conductors are properly sized and they're properly fused or have the proper circuit breaker on them so that we're not. Uh, pushing those conductors or those connections to a point where they they could fail and start a fire. Okay. Now, w we all get horrified when we read about uh, the outdoor fires in California. Uh, are outdoor fires an, an issue in Belmont? Or uh, strike the word issue, uh, a concern, uh, grills or uh, So we do, we, we do have a fair amount of... Uh, uh, calls for outside fires. Um, we've uh, bark mulch close to uh, houses and smokers. They depend, usually deposit their cigarette as they're on their way into a building and they toss it right into the mulch. Um, and so that starts smoldering and the next thing you know is up goes uh, the foliage or the, the siding of the porch or something like that. Um, in Belmont, uh, we're not allowed to have outdoor fires uh, unless it's for cooking. Uh, and that's not a fire regulation, but an actual DEP regulation for clean air. So uh, people that have outdoor fire pits and chimeneas, as long as they're cooking, they're allowed. If they're not cooking, uh, they're actually prohibited by, but by uh, health code statutes, not by the fire code. And I assume cooking doesn't include those marshmallows. Uh, I, I'm not one. It, it says cooking. So it's, if you're <laughs> okay. cooking the marshmallows, uh, that works. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, as we uh, come to an end here, uh, I, I think about a story I did for the Belmont Journal a few weeks ago uh, uh, about the Cub Scouts. And um, one of the things that Mr. Mayo was telling me that they tried to teach the Cub Scouts was, uh, I'm looping back to something I think I heard you say, was to have a fire evacuation, was not only to have a fire evacuation plan, but to practice uh, that, that plan. Uh, and so just like fire drills in the school, we practice those, though that's what we call muscle memory. We don't have problems with kids. Uh, when a fire alarm goes off in a school, the kids get up, they get up, and they know what to do. We have a fire alarm at the high school in town meeting. 
everybody stands up and looks at each other like, what are we supposed to do? And it, <laughs> it's uh, kind of interesting. But yes, we need to practice uh, actually what we do. And that means practicing at your home as well. That's great. Okay. Th uh, thanks, Chief. Fire Prevention Month 2019, the month of uh, October. And time after time, Chief, uh, as you've talked today, I've sort of thought, that's an oh, wow uh, moment uh, for me. I just never would have thought of not putting the extension cord under the Oriental rug. I'll, yeah. I'll bet you dollars to donuts. There's quite a few a, of them, yes. I'll bet you we've got an extension cord under a rug uh, at home. So we've been speaking with Belmont Fire Ch uh, Department Chief uh, David Frizzell today about Fire Prevention Month uh, 2019, the month of October. I'd like to thank the, the chief for stopping in. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning into Community Conversations. You can access Community Conversations through iTunes by uh, searching for the BMC Podcast Network. And you can also stream Community Conversations on the Belmont Media Center website, belmontmedia.org. You've been listening to Community Conversations. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will talk to you again next time.